Hello, this is Hannah Harkness, and I am coming to you live from Queens, laying on my back in my bed, staring at the ceiling, because I just had to rush home from Philadelphia because my snake threw up. Uh, the weird life that you have been listening to episodes about up until this point uh, never stops. Uh, it's going to take me forever to catch up. Um where you currently are in the plot. I don't even have a snake yet, but I am, in fact, the proud owner of a beautiful ball python, Isis, uh, who is feeling much better right now. So good on her for uh, putting dead mice bits all over the place while my poor new boyfriend uh, is babysitting her for the first time. Uh, (laughs) uh, Snakes are very low maintenance pets uh but when something goes wrong it's like five times weirder and more gross than like something going wrong with a cat you know like cats don't just uh you know slough off entire pieces of skin all the time you know the, the snakes are snakes are weird um yeah, I'm recording this uh, podcast intro here in Apple Voice Memos because I don't want to get out of bed and set up the podcast microphone. But hey, this is a memoir. We're supposed to get personal, right? Uh, so what we're going to do, my friends, is talk about comic book conventions. I want you to listen to a noise. That... Uh, A thing you can't see is a wreath of comic book convention, anime convention, uh, steampunk convention, Doctor Who convention, a million different form of nerd convention badges uh, from being one of the people working at the booths, uh, stretching all the way back to 2005. Uh, For quite some time, I was, I don't know if there's a term for us in my mind. I would think it was convention rat, uh, but I was uh, part of the incredibly strange nerd lifestyle that is uh, constantly working at comic book conventions. Working at comic book conventions versus being an attendee are two very different things. It it does something very strange to your mind to work like office hours in lighting that harsh in a setting like that surreal and usually like in some kind of like cold aircraft hangar with bad food you know um but you end up meeting like all of these amazing creators and artists and you know the c-list characters in movies that you know end up being a great hang and you know there's it's just the lifestyle of working at conventions is one of you know the grandpa from your favorite sitcom doing lines of coke with the guy who drew deadpool you know like that it's just it's just such a strange surreal little world that I was in for quite some time and you know sometimes I dip back into it and I'll like work for CGC like I talked about later in the interview uh but I think mostly I'm too old for this shit and it's a little bit too COVIDy anymore but I'm you know I'm sitting in front of these badges and they each one of them represent a really weird weekend that I had once and there's just so many and it just kind of blows my mind how much strange life I've managed to cram into one life whilst only being uh, 35 as I started doing this when I was 17 remember we're still in chronological order I have not left high school yet this uh this lifestyle started early but I'm looking I see We've got San Diego 2010 uh, this is missed connections did you were you at any of these uh Looks like we got 2008 New York Anime Festival. This is uh, 2012 New York Comic Con. We have e- virtually every New York Comic Con. Ooh, Steampunk World's Fair 2010. That's a fun one. Regeneration Who 4. Uh, that, I was uh, doing stand-up at a Doctor Who convention for four years. Um, it's pretty dope that that was ever a thing and it ended up leading to a lot of uh, super close friends um 
it's just it's it's just so cool. Yeah, and here we go, San Diego 2006. This is when Fresh Faced Me uh, literally saved up change on my desk and money so I could get enough money for a plane ticket to San Diego to go to San Diego Comic-Con. And I, I didn't even plan a place to stay. Like, my brother lived there, but I was like, no, I'm going to find a hotel room and crash. And I did. It was a different time. Um... Yeah, we got Wizard World Boston, which uh, is no longer a thing. Uh, yeah, 2005. So many things. Shout out to people that were in Otakon, uh, especially the uh, great Otakon fire drill of... If I can find that badge, I'll let you know. I'm going to say 2000... Uh, oh, hey, there she is. Yeah, 2011. The great Otakon fire alarm of 2011 were... Uh, Nerds poured out into the streets of Baltimore and damn near had a heat stroke uh, because somebody from 4chan pulled the fire alarm. Um, yeah, I think that that about sums it up. Uh, so this interview is with my friend Nigel Saad and uh, still a great convention presence. Uh, definitely check out his work, uh, Nigel Saad on all forms of social media there'll be stuff linked in the description and uh if you're interested in some kate's bunker merch people who listen to both of the uh harkness podcast properties if you're into that it's uh kate's bunker or the store uh dot shopify.com uh thank you and let's go to i haven't heard that name in years everyone uh friends family former lovers parasocial relationships whoever decided to pop on today welcome back to i haven't heard that name in years the laziest memoir of all time where i uh just call up people from my deep past uh and release the episodes in order of which i met them until i'm done at this point we have surpassed high school or sort of surpassed high school we have entered the comic book industry it is about 2005-2006 and we we have met Nigel Sud, our guest. Hi, hey. how are you doing? I'm great. You? <laughs> uh, I'm doing awesome. It's pretty cool that somebody else is willing to edit uh, hours and hours of my narcissism. It's uh, it's pretty cool that I've gotten to this point. If I have proven anything uh, in life is that I always have time for narcissism. Hell yeah, you know, it's, you, you have to, you have to, you know, look out for aggressive number one, I guess. I don't know. The, the self-important self number one. <laughs> Strings of ones. Okay, so Nigel, uh, you are one of the people that was like a must interview because like when I explained my life in passing, uh, there's several people that just on paper sound made up mm -hmm. um, and you're... <laughs> You're one hundred percent one of them, uh, because you're 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 a pirate. Yeah, like yeah. most of the day, well, you were you were dressed like a pirate, and uh, Jack Sparrow somehow copied you. Like this is just how you've you've always been a pirate. Yeah. Um, as long as I've known you. Now, like when did that? And and also, Nigel is a, a besides dressing like a pirate, he also is an incredibly talented artist, and uh, still makes his living uh running around comic book conventions commissions all that all that cool shit selling pirate bandanas and everything um and uh i guess I, i've never actually I, I don't know if i've ever talked to you about your origin story i was just oh. like shit there's a pirate here this is fucking yeah. awesome um <laughs> so so um okay well the, the so the, the the origin story as it were my, my mom's last name is rogers mm -hmm. okay and so uh, everybody's company in my family has always been like Jolly Roger this and Jolly Roger that and whatnot. Everybody's got a skull and crossbones as their logo. So when I became an artist, my last name is not Rogers. And uh, so I decided that I still actually wanted to have the skull and crossbones as a logo. So I made the skull and crossbones as a, as a bit. And I always wore bandanas. Now, when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, all right, uh, before that, uh, for my, well, entire life, I was a hippie, okay, in the eyes of everybody. That was the best derogatory slang that they could give me. 
uh, for me looking the way I'm brother in arms. Yeah, the way that I look. <laughs> and to be on, to be absolutely honest, and, and a little bit more um, more honest than I'd like to be, it was probably based an awful lot on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You know, really my my, yeah. my aesthetic, the whole like vest and you know kind of schlubby sort of thing that kind of eventually became a little bit more stylish. But as soon as Pirates of the Caribbean came out, it changed from hippie to pirate in like three seconds. All right. Like <laughs> there was literally no, no, like one day I was hippie as they were driving down the road yelling at me from their cars. Okay. And then the next day pirate and uh, that just along with the obligatory R's and, you know, and so on and so forth. They're all very clever. We love them dearly. So for decades, even you've yeah. had to love these R's. Oh um, yeah, it is true. Is, it is true. It is true. It's yeah. It's been going. It's been going for a while. I didn't realize that that's that's actually what happened is that people recontextualize years apart. And I guess I never really thought about it before. Uh, but like cartoon depictions of pirates don't use prior to Johnny Depp don't look like Ooh, that. Yeah. They don't have like long, luxurious, flowing brown no. hair or locks. No, no uh, that was they all have, they are, that was they were the all first missing limbs. And uh, and we're a little homely, <laughs> exactly. You know, and then all of a sudden. Here I am. Yeah, no, pirate is not something you used to call hot people, mm. I guess. I don't... <laughs> no, no. No. Yeah. I mean, no, hey, you know what? No, that... I, have, I have an infinite amount of, like, love for that character because of that. I came out I came out as an artist at the, at the absolute right time. You know, mm. there, there was a, 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 a love for the whole sort of bohemian ideal that was uh, put forward with that character very much fit into, you know, who I was and, you know, who doesn't love pirates. And here we are, you know, like many, many years later. Actually, to be fair, like um, my aunt died about 12 years ago and we were at her funeral and uh, my uncle turns to me and he says, he says, okay, so we have to teach you the thing, toast, okay, but you can't, you can't write it down. Um, you have to memorize it. Okay? It's, it's part of the family toast. And listen, we're dropping off like flies, so so like we really need to pass this on. My my uncle uh, tells us the, the toast, and uh, the toast is as such: May bleeding piles torment you, may corns grow on your feet, may crabs as big as lobsters crawl round your balls and eat, may the whole world turn against you, and when you're a nervous wreck, may you fall through your own asshole and break your fucking neck. <laughs> and I said, Are we actually pirates? And he goes, oh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a sea shanty. Yeah, that phase of the uh, the early pandemic. I call everything prior to the vaccination in the pandemic cowboy times. But that weird phase where everybody went real hard into sea shanties was kind of lit. Oh right? yeah. Did you, did you catch that? Like really? That That's was all the Irish the Irish punk bands that were all like not a cool theme for some reason. I have no idea. Like, you know, like um, uh, Ailstorm and all of those guys. Um, right. Yeah, like right. every every Pogues knockoff band became like somehow connected with piracy. Like, I have no idea how that happened, but it did. You know, it was like a, like a, you know, like, I don't know yeah, what it is about no, you like really being a pirate that like really connected for people. That's that's really funny that society just kind of recontextualized you mm -hmm. as a pirate. I I don't even know. Uh, I mean, I I do because I but it's because I I always like voluntarily change my own identity. I guess that's the first question is like did I did I introduce myself as Hannah or Shortstack when I met you? Oh, you're Shortstack. You're Shortstack. I was Shortstack. Yeah. Okay, cool. We are well, now officially into Hannah. the Shortstack era. I was called you Hannah, but like, uh -huh. but uh, I I had Shortstack. Well, so maybe you were Hannah, and then you were Shortstack, and then the, there was the Hannah Harkness thing that, for the, the comedy routine you were doing. Ah, uh, yeah. See, now you've been through multiple arcs mm -hmm. with who I am. Now, it's like it's funny because I'm releasing these in order of when I met the person. What name they know me by is like the best possible timestamp. So, like the thing is, if you met me early enough, you met me when I was 17. Mm -hmm. You would have met a uh, Hannah. Um, but then I started using Shortstack. Uh, both uh, I was using it as a handle on the Bendis board, so you might have been hearing it inter interchangeably mm -hmm. at first. Yeah. Um, and then I was using. 
using it as a scene name because, like, in goth, like, BDSM land in the early aughts, nobody was using their real names ever right. in those. So I was using short stack there. And then when I started doing stand-up comedy, like, proper, I had, like, a soft start when I was 19. But when I really got into it in, like... 2012 2011 or something like that i was going by short stack on stage yeah. and then i had also changed uh if you change your name on facebook people will just forget what your real name is in uh, like six months really? um it, especially back then yeah no back then like when there was kind of just facebook uh and like everyone was it was just like way more people were honed into facebook altogether like changing my name is just like on facebook alone was enough for people to just like start calling me short stack like names are such a racket i realized you can change your name as many times as you yeah. want and people will just go along with it oh yeah, um, yeah. which is good which is good you know and, and like and, and it's good to know like for for people that are out there in the industry and whatnot that are because i'll tell you what like i don't use my 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 proper name um my, my original i use a, an artist name uh for for me and that was probably the best decision i ever made um because most of my fans are awesome they're fantastic, wonderful people. Yeah. But there are crazy people in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a cannibal band once, like full on. Like I was, I was living in Chicago at the time. Uh -huh. This woman, uh, I'm assuming, contacts me. I, you know what? Honestly, I don't know why I make that assumption. It could have been a guy. Doesn't matter right at this point in time, really. But they had told me they're like, I'm really excited to meet somebody that's so passionate about their art so on and so forth and they wanted to explain to me their passion i was like okay cool and then they go on to describe how they had invited all of their uh, closest friends from live journal over to witness an event their significant other was a plastic surgeon and they were removing a bunch of unsightly scars and at the end of this they were frying them up and eating them uh with, with the audience and they wanted me to illustrate this Form. Oh my, like a courtroom sketch? Yeah, like it was, it's very specific. Brian you know, like, like, Don't get me wrong. Like, I, no, I don't judge. You know what I mean? Like, that's actually one yeah. of the, I don't get to this in a second, but that's one of my biggest fears is the fact that I, that I am very accepting of people's lifestyles and so on and so forth. Or uh, you, you decide that you're going to be a cannibal and this is consensual and people are doing whatever, man. That's you. You know, you can be a cannibal. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is morally, it's fine. It's just like, uh, it's a little it, jarring. It's, exactly. It's a bit much. Yeah. I think we can leave it, it there. With, Entirely. Yeah. Completely just uh -huh. rolled with it. But the, the the fact of the matter was is that like I then replied with a, oh, cool, you know, so on and so forth. Listen, if you'd like to have uh, like more than two uh, figures in it, then it increases by about, you know, 500 to $1,000 per figure. Um, the base is like 3500 And so you're probably looking at if you want, if you have like, 10 figures in there i could probably do it for around six or seven thousand dollars you know something like that. As, yeah. as like a, just a quote you know like I, just yeah. not really focusing in on the cannibalism part of it but, but focusing in on the fact that, that you want me to do a piece of artwork for you i can do that piece of artwork and uh <laughs> he got really upset just like now enough about the eating scars now yeah. let's let's get down to let's, brass tacks. let's talk turkey tags. here let's, let's talk turkey here you know? <laughs> <laughs> And so, and so I was like, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, no, she got really upset with me because I was not excited that she was a cannibal. All right. As excited as she was about my, <laughs> and I realized, and she lived in Chicago, right? And that my kids uh -huh. lived there with me. Like, and if I had been utilizing my real name, there's nothing from her picking up a goddamn yellow pages. All right. And flipping oh through God. and going, oh, there, there he is. Let's go murder the family. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. Like, I have no idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, just yeah. It's possible, I suppose. You know, not that I'm disparaging cannibals, you know, if there are any cannibals in your audience, I'm sure that you're very nice yeah. people. But, you know, there's a, there is a, it's, it's a little bit outside of uh, conventions, you know, and whatnot. So. Yeah. And shout out to auto cannibals. It's a pretty metal term for picking your nose and eating it. Um, did you, did you know that, that, that that's a whole, no, that's, that's literally what they call auto cannibalism. Like if you pick skin and eat it or something, they call it auto cannibalism. I, I found that out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a Wikipedia thing. Uh, that's a, yeah. Shout out to all the auto cannibals in the family. That shit is salty. I remember I was a child, uh, but <laughs> 
Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, using fake names is the fucking best. Like, if you search Hannah Sutton spelled like this, I'm probably now messing this up with the memoir project, but I don't really care anymore. Um, but if you search Hannah Sutton on the internet, uh, you turn up my LinkedIn. Uh, that's that's it um she effectively stopped existing in like 2007 it's not on facebook it's nowhere because i i had the i think it it made it even more difficult that i changed to short stack and then i changed to hannah harkness so there's just like identity twists and turns (laughs) like (laughs) the red herring you know short stack was the red herring of your life you know Oh, nobody expected the short stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it was the whole thing. You know, it's just uh, it, it, screen names popped into real life. That was actually a big part of that that early aughts uh, comic book convention scene that I met you in was that, like, I knew half of these people from, like, Bendis' message boards and would, like, go to meetups and shit what with them. And I, I don't think Bendis? you were on there, but I know that, like, Oming was on there. There was a, there was a lot of people on there. It's I feel like there was, like this we the social scene of like an early aughts uh comic book convention which was a lot those would you agree that they were much more comic book based back then it was like that because like there was no marvel movies yet yeah right? am so, i am i tagging this right it was weird so i started in in the in the fantasy community okay so like gen con mm-hmm. those kind of like origins those kinds of places um you know uh, michael Whalen and todd lockwood and larry elmore and those guys um and that was kind of like my my initial uh introduction to this and then I eventually got into comic conventions uh, right around the time I met you, actually. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, it was just a, a fluke, really. You know, like it was I was looking for more places to show the artwork. And I was like, comic conventions, why not? You know, at the time, I was actually looking at alien conventions as well. You know, and stuff, it, like Wazzle, yeah. New Wet, Mexico and those kinds of things. I was like, I don't know, Star Trek conventions, alien conventions, whatever. I don't care. I was a fine artist, you know, trying to like yeah. make my way in this uh, weird ass environment. And I had shown that I that like there was a there was money to be made uh, in the in the industry, and I just I kind of just jumped at it, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Now my entry was like significantly more uh, roundabout. Uh, so what happened was uh, I was a, I was a comic book nerd, um, but I, you know I didn't have any connection to the industry or anything because I was I was just a you know high school comic book nerd. Uh, and then uh, I was a big community service nerd when I was in high school, and I was in like five million extracurriculars doing like community service stuff, service learning shit. I won all kinds of nerd awards and medals and whatever for like you know service contributions and shit like that. Um, and I went to plenty of like nerd conferences, getting bussed to other schools, la 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 la, like that whole thing. So then uh, I had got invited to a nerd conference for high schoolers in Los Angeles. Uh, and I went with one of my teachers and a couple other students uh, and we go and we go to this convention center and at the same convention center, uh, Wizard World LA 2005 is happening. Nice. Um, and I, after I'm done my presentation, sneak into Wizard World Los Angeles. <laughs> and I don't even know if they do that con anymore. I, I know that there's like a lot of Wizard well, no, Wizard, Wizard now, World's right? dead. As a, as a, Wizard World's yeah, dead? Yeah, it all got yeah. bought up by so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, back when there were like a Wizard Worlds all over the place and it was mostly about comic books. Um I uh god, I'm sounding like a comic book store guy now. Holy shit. Yeah, back when they used to focus on small press, now it's all damn Marvel movies and software booths. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're all like that now. But anyway, I'm walking around Wizard World LA and I see uh, Hero Initiative, which back then was called uh, Actor, which uh, uh, the acronym was a commitment to our roots. But they were already self-aware that the acronym was confusing because they they're like, no, we don't have anything to do with actors. We help uh, comic book artists yeah, yeah, yeah. that are getting up in age with medical bills. So they did eventually change that to Hero Initiative. But me, as a community service nerd and a standard nerd, I was like, oh my god, do you guys have volunteer opportunities and they're like yeah we do we're gonna be in wizard world philadelphia in a couple weeks i'm like that's wacky i live in philadelphia so uh that was how i ended up at wizard world philadelphia 2005 but then there was a 
it, it wasn't a bait and switch. It was so much of a, just a sudden reallocation of staffing. Uh, at the time, the head of Hero Initiative, Jim McLaughlin, was the editor in chief of Top Cow, yeah. uh, and there was not enough people at the Top Cow booth, and there was too many people at Hero yeah. Initiative. So, seventeen-year-old Hannah Sutton got floated over to Top Cow, and then they found out that I'm a, a shark and can sell comic books that nobody wants. I can sell as many Witchblade variants as there are stars in the sky right. and i and they're just like well let's just uh let's let's just like have hire this teenager that's fine yeah. you know and i i was you know happier than a pig and shit i get to go to all these comic book conventions for free i'm like traveling around not even uh, i turned uh, like i turned 18 i'm gonna say like seven months after I met them the first time like it was like because that service learning conference was in May and then I uh like didn't turn 18 until like November so there was a decent clip where I was like teenager teenager oh yeah no um, well I remember because it was, yeah. was it was a Lauren Perry right that was uh was, yeah she was she was kind of like the un unofficial mom of like all this whole group of you guys that uh yeah <laughs> Because it was you, uh, the girl who was her name, Alexis, and... Um, yeah, 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 and I think she was, like, she was just another artist that was around. Like, I feel like the, the, there was, like, a social bubble of, like, I actually have some of her artwork comics. at my, at my house. I collected some of her artwork, and she's an amazing uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's, she's an awesome artist, yeah. Uh, no, it's like, this is all, like, suddenly floating back. Oh, right, We, me and her, like, wrote up, like, a pilot for a webcomic about, like, a a pantheon of gods and goddesses that are but they're tiny they're like in daycare and like uh she wrote the she drew the concept sketches for it and everything but like mm -hmm. i had shit like atlas was like cho chewed all of the legs off the kitty table and was holding the table up on his back and like eating paste and shit like and th th there's like shiva was like constantly knocking over everybody's blocks um <laughs> and it was it was really wholesome like i was going for like clean fantasy comedy but uh i i think we yeah. We never ended up moving forward with that, but now you just jogged that entire. I think it was called yeah. like Happy Mountain Daycare or something. Like nice, <laughs> but yeah, Alexis, an awesome artist. As a as a as a you know history nerd, yeah, clever name, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so there, yeah, there was a whole group of us that were uh, under twenty one that were constantly like uh, impeding where people got where you guys did get did and didn't didn't get to go. I mean, I think a lot of the time we also were just like, no, no, you guys go have fun. We'll go over do yeah, teenager yeah, yeah. stuff, right. I guess. But there was well, definitely there was also there was also another whole level to it, you know, with the whole predatory environment of like you know, yeah, things, trying to keep you guys away from. The more predatory people, people that were in the industry, and whatnot. yeah. Um, which there are not a huge amount, but there's predators. They absolutely existed. I think I made it pretty clear, like I do in any social situation like that, that I had a black belt. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone kind of left me alone. And I'll tell you what, though, I, I, I Philly, because this is all in Philly, right? Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. Philly is a special kind of hell. All right, like I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I, I both love and hate Philadelphia because it is a caricature of itself. Yeah. I was, I, give me, give me a story. I was going to, um, I think it was called Banana something or other. It was a Thai restaurant down the street. Banana uh, Leaf, the Malaysian joint. Banana Leaf, yeah. Yeah, yeah Malaysian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. So outside of Banana Leaf, okay, there's a guy who is like, frantically knuckled down with like a trench coat and a pair of bolt cutters trying to to release a bike that has been like all right and, and like i'm standing behind him and i just go <clears throat> and he turns around with this wide eye looking at me like you know like like it's like uh igor you know yeah. from from like you know that, and he's, he's like oh it's my bike and i was like uh-huh and uh and i just <laughs> turned and I walked into the banana leaf and I was like, yeah, so there's a guy out there stealing a bike. Um, you should maybe say something. If you have a phone, you can call the cops or something like that. And he just walks over and looks at the guy still fighting to get this damn chain off this bike. And he goes, huh? And then turns around and goes back to what he's doing. And I think that this perfectly encapsulates Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. As as like a as like a theory, you know, like like there's just there's so much crime going on, and everybody's just so used to it 
that it's like, ah. Yeah, it's and you know what's like, interesting is that it did, uh, you know, the gentrification wave did hit, and it the edge did come off a little bit. But I've been to post or not post pandemic during pandemic post cowboy times Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, post cowboy times Philadelphia has like rolled right back to the eighties again. Um, and oh, then yeah. uh, you know during cowboy times they were blowing up ATMs, which I thought was like the most metal thing I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. <laughs> like they're just straight up like, no, we're we're bombing ATMs. We don't care anymore it's just like well, in that same visit um i so i so one of the things i love doing is that like i'm 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 very non-standard in the way i dress and whatnot so like robbing me is a is a is a very um complicated endeavor <laughs> right because you don't really know where the money's at on a lot of goddamn pockets there's so many pockets and satchels exactly how do you know exactly. which satchel has the bullion or whatever uh, right <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so, so like, I, I like to let grifts go as long as humanly possible. You know what I mean? Just to, just to see how far somebody is going to go to try to rob me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I like, we were in Philly and the guy was like, oh, you should buy me a, buy me a coffee. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll buy you a coffee. <laughs> So I take him into a Dunkin' Donuts and like, you know, I pull money out of like a obvious place, buy the, the copy and so on and so forth and, and go, uh, but it's just like, you know, coins. Yeah. Whatnot. And, uh, and I, I buy the copy and I give him his copy. Like, Here you, go, you know, have a great day. And he goes, oh yeah, you should, you should buy me a sandwich. I'm like, you know what? I think that maybe you should just take the coffee and go with it, man. Mm-hmm. You're never going to figure out how it works. And then I sort of walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you gotta do that's just how you have yeah. to, like that's that's just how you have to talk to people man like well I, here in italy in rome uh they, they the there's these uh grifters that go around usually pretending to be from africa um which is terrible and awful and fucking racist and whatnot but like they, they'll they'll come up to you with like little trinkets and they say oh you're from that you are africa you know usually is the the grift and whatnot. And it's mm-hmm. like you can tell, like their accent's completely off. They're clearly Italian. Yeah. All right. And so, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right. And so. Bonjour. And so you're, but... you're like, okay. And I just want to. I play, play. They give you basically a trinket. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then and then they'll tell you that oh you should give them money. Okay. And whatnot. And I'm like I'm just you know, just to figure out how far it'll go. You just pull some change out of your pocket. And just kind of go, oh, this is all I got. And you just kind of rifle through it with your finger and whatnot. And then the guy just grabs all the change and just <laughs> walks away. And I was like, huh, okay, that's how far it'll go. You know, like, I'm yeah. good with that. You yeah. know? And you never wear those things, okay? Because they're usually bracelets and things like that. Mm-hmm. But they're a mark. Okay? So, like, every other person that's doing that grift knows that you have fallen for the grift. Oh, and so wow. yeah and it, that's pretty clever, smart you know yeah yeah just just kind of just to figure out how they work and whatnot but yeah yeah it's good times it's good times yeah um so uh one thing that i definitely want to just go over because there's just a lot of people that don't know what it's like to be an exhibitor at a comic book convention um just mm-hmm. in general uh i i mean how how would you sum up like what that was i know that's like a really oblique question and you still do it but it's just like kind of the process of you know like loading into a place and being there for eight hours a day and like having like booze under the table and shit like that just like what like it's like it's it's like a strange carny lifestyle but it's all like fluorescent lights and big rooms uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all. It's, it feels very legitimate, and yet on some weird level, feels like it's you're doing something illegal. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. No, yeah, you're like just really like peddling. Th- you're just like peddling drawings or like corsets or what the fuck ever in just like kind of a big industrial looking space most of the time. Like I, I would describe maybe ten percent of places where conventions are held as like warm. Um, they're, they're yeah, just yeah. like, the, the or lighting or is always overly warm because they don't want to turn the air conditioning on, yeah. you know, or, yeah, or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, like warm, you know? like inviting. Yeah, I mean, like there, there's like the, it's always the harshest lighting imaginable. And yet, like, mm-hmm. we all still hide 
booze under the table so we're just like and we're still drunk from last night but just had but still have to go to you know wherever the convention center is in a city which is usually not mm-hmm. like usually a fast cash hellhole of yeah. a neighborhood wherever you are mm-hmm. yeah like um at, and the the it's changed like what like what would you say are like the big differences between like when you met me and like now working shows because i i don't work shows anymore but uh, i was gonna say yeah i would say security yeah security is a big difference oh my god well i mean there were a, a certain number of events that occurred uh, there was a, an event at Phoenix uh, Fan Fusion uh, many years back where a guy would, had come into the convention center and he was looking to shoot like three cops. Oh, so Jesus. Like, like, yeah, like literally had, was like fucking Ramboed out and whatnot with like guns and whatnot. Got right through security. Everything was fine. The only reason why they caught the motherfucker is because he had bragged about it on his Facebook page. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, luckily, criminals are dumb, usually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, what I tell people is, like, all accurate crime movies have several instances of somebody fucking up. Like, 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 the best crime movies are, like, Goodfellas and Reservoir Dogs and, like, Pulp Fiction Mm -hmm. and everything like that because there's multiple instances of them fucking up and also things being slow. Because actual crime, actual crime takes place in a, usually in a few minutes, uh, but the, you know, sitting around hearing a nowhere story from somebody's girlfriend texting in shotgun, uh, that has nothing to do with anything that takes the rest of the movie. If you're an actual criminal, um, exactly. Yeah. Cause crime crime takes like 3.5 seconds, you know? Yeah. Like, Hey. And the rest of it is just weird stories and like being stuck in some guy's apartment while you're waiting for the drugs to show up. Like, right, right. Which, you know, in a lot of ways, I think is kind of analogous to convention. It you is. Know, of, you know, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's not, there's not a lot, there's not a lot going on there. It's, it's basically you just sitting around sort of saying the same things to random people, you know, over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And, the repetition. And, there, it, until you get to a point where like you, you have an interesting conversation. And that interesting conversation usually is like your, you know, larger sale of the day or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, you're all just looking for the the connection between a, yourself and another person that is going to uh, um, kind of open their life or open your life or something like that. You know, it's um, finding meaning in fluorescent lit uh, gray giant yeah. aircraft hangar rooms all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While everybody's a little bit drunk. Everybody is a little bit drunk. Uh, and if they're they're not drunk, they're zoning out from the intense repetition and in a lot of cases standing, you know, like the various like the various jobs I had had different levels of physical strain. I think that the most difficult job I have ever had at conventions and st- to this day is uh, being a CGC witness. Do you, do you, did you uh, like interact with CGC witnesses at all or like the signature no. people? Okay. No. So I don't I don't actually own any comic books. Yeah, which is awesome by the way. Like totally make that bank off of uh comic like, cuz I, I used to do stand up at all kinds of places that I had like in fandoms that I had like no uh stock in. Like I did like I did stand up I think in a couple of like trekky things and it's just like I I guess I like Star Trek but I'm not really uh I'm not really here with it. But anyway, CGC, working for CGC um as a signature witness, the entire function of this, and I've thought about this for a long time, and there is actually no way to automate this, is, uh, you know, CGC's business model is that they have they uh, have a grading system for the quality of antique comic books or the quality of like mm-hmm. high worth comic books or comic books in general um and if you get your comic graded by cgc your comic is worth more money because right. it has like a cgc approval on it now if your comic is signed, um, CGC has no way of verifying that unless a signature witness employed by them goes with the fan to the artist to physically, like a notary, watch it be wow. signed by somebody and then 
walks with the fan back to the booth and you have to keep eyes on the comic book at all times like the fans aren't allowed to put the comic books back in their bag doesn't matter how many of them are they have to like the rules are they have to hold it out in front of them and you have to keep eyes on it uh until they get back to the booth and you pass them over to like the antique comic book handler people that are then like yes that's a real signature because hannah was there and verified that fabian Vincenza signed this deadpool uh yeah so just just for the record hannah this girl that we're paying minimum wage is, is was there to you know to, to verify this remarkably expensive. I just love the concept. Fine. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, it's I, it's some insane cap. I mean, like uh, like art and all shit like that. Collectibles are just an amazing way to hide money. Um, and th- oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's always been true. Yeah. So, and I really like I said, I've really thought about it. There is no other way to perform that function, like whatsoever. Like I, somebody would have to, you know, visually witness it. But the thing that about that job is, it sounds easy, uh, but you are on your feet and you're you know how the like crowd crushes in that thing like you basically like what you get the the fan comes up to the cgc booth there's like a line of nerds and then there's a few witnesses and you go and you pick up your nerd um and you walk with your nerd over to where they have to go uh and then you either depending on the length of the line for who they're getting an autograph from you either wait in line with them or you uh, ask them to take your phone number and then you go back and then you try to figure out if you can, you know, in the interim, get another like nerds shit signed and watched for, or if you really just need to stand or sit or whatever and wait for this phone call. Because when you get the phone call, they might be dumb and not like wait for it to be like four people ahead of them. They might be like, oh, hey, I'm standing in front of like fucking uh, Matthew Lillard right now. He's going to sign my Scooby-Doo comic book where are you and i'm like i'm back at the booth buddy i told you four people ahead of you so you gotta book it like you gotta run because at this point the dude is either he's holding up the line or he's awkwardly standing up off to the side um and uh, like you have to like go rescue him and then like have eyes on the comic book all the way back because it doesn't matter if you're looking at any of his shit while he's in line but like you have to have eyes on the signature the entire time the second from the second it's signed to the second he gets back to cgc uh but that job involves a shitload of running if you're somewhere like new york comic-con uh because there are fans that will just be like uh like the signing's ending in like 10 minutes or something and like i need a cgc rep like now and you know cgc makes a shitload of money off this obviously it costs money for them to get the comic books graded too so like they you know and the, the signature witnessing is like a premium service that they can only offer at cons so it's like you know it's a whole thing they want you to go like run for it um and uh i'll tell i'll tell my favorite cgc story uh is when i i met dan Harmon uh doing cgc witnessing because uh, there was a kid, like, I, I go back to, get you know, pick up my next nerd. Um, I think I just had a bathroom break or something. And there was this kid, he looked like, uh, you know, like 13 or something. But he's jumping up and down like he has to pee or something. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like... I have a Rick and Morty comic book and the Zan Harmon signing's ending in five minutes and I just got the ticket but I want to get it authenticated. And I was just like, whoa, 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 kid, slow down. Are we about to meet Dan Harmon? And he goes like, yes. And I was just like, all right, well, put on some running shoes, kid. We're about to knock over some fucking nerds. Uh, so <laughs> me and this kid, <laughs> me and this kid bolt, you know, because I'm marking out. I'm like, oh, I want to meet Dan Harmon today. Fuck, like, I, I would never bought a ticket for this. I never would have waited in line for this. What, what I love about this yeah. is, that, is that for that... For that kid, it was completely a Rick and Morty moment for him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, yeah. I was just hundred percent. You know, like you, you were, you were Rick. Yeah. Okay, in that scenario, I was you ready. Know, where, and it, you know, what's funny yeah. is that like a lot of people. Uh, at comic cons will understand what is happening if they see a cgc rep because we had red shirts too by the way we had like bright red nerd shirts um and like a lot of people will know what's happening if they see a cgc rep running with somebody else that means they're trying to get to a signing so they're like oh get out of the way it's like a fucking cgc witness um so then we, uh, me and this kid go up to, uh, the line and we get to the front and he hands me another comic book. He goes like, Hey, I usually keep an extra comic book on me for the witness. And I'm like, that's adorable. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and I, I get up to the front of the line and I realize cause like Dan Harmon's name checked CGC and community before, like he's had Abed talk about it. So I realized yeah, yeah. Uh, that Dan Harmon knows what I'm doing. Uh, and he's like, right. Oh, Hey, what's going on? 
with like the tone of voice of like, I know why you're here. And I'm like, I don't know, just witnessing or whatever. He goes, yeah, well, witness this. And he signs the comic book and slides it at me super fast. Um, <laughs> and like, then I told him, I was like, yo, thanks for, uh, you know, not take like giving the men's rights activists in your fan base shit. And then he just like gives me these dead eyes and goes, oh my God, wouldn't it be great if they all just died? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is this is perfect. This is the perfect way to meet fucking Dan Harmon. Um, but you know, in order to perf- for that story to happen, I had to run. I mean, like that that was probably a quarter of a mile. The Javits Center is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to oh, run yeah. through crowds, and like you know, you have to not lose the kid either because like he's. I yeah. mean, he had a huge backpack on, so he was running pretty slow. But I'm still like definitely older than him, and I'd been doing you this back breaking jog. You know what I mean? Like throw him on your backpack like a Yoda. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah, but I've been doing this like doing some somersaults as you're going along. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I've been doing this like exhausting job for like ages. Um, but uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, like we should talk more. Like, do you remember meeting me? Like what? Like do you, like what? Because this this is a very drunk time. Uh, and yeah, it's yeah. also a long time ago. So I'm like, what? Like, what do you remember about like like me around that time? Like, do you like? Is, is this, oh, jeez. Yeah. Do you well anything? So, I mean, I I remember. Um, well, first of all, I remember meeting all you guys, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought you were adorable and whatnot. And uh, you guys were so, so fucking excited about being there and everything. And everybody was like super, you know, just, yeah, just oh. so positive. Oh, we weren't jaded it. yet. That's fucking precious. <laughs> yeah, you guys were totally not jaded. All right. And like, and, you know, that was, that was, that was, a, that was a, a good reminder that like, you know, the, the industry is not, made up of these jaded fucked up professionals and stuff like that and like all the people that are like you know not necessarily making the industry great i mean what makes the industry great is is the is the uh is the positiveness you know that that comes along with the true you know idealized love of like the comics that, that are out there or or the artwork or the whatever you know and so you guys kind of exemplified that in a lot of ways, which I, which I thought was, uh, was, was endearing and, and really awesome. And then you and I, you know, you and I became friends like, you know, uh, years later and whatnot. I remember like in 2009, I think it was. Yeah. Maybe. Do the Eddie, was, Eddie Izzard thing like 2000. <laughs> I still have a, I still have a video of us singing Bohemian Rhapsody and, yeah. I In, uh, just rewatched that before this interview yeah. um, because that was a movie moment. I was hoping it yep. would come up. Yeah. So yep. this, this was, was, I, I think it was a wizard Philly. Cause otherwise yeah, so. you hadn't, there was, you don't like Philadelphia. So you have no other reason to be there. It would have had to have been either a Philadelphia comic con or a wizard Philly. Like, cause there, there's no other reason you would be. In you that know what? That's, that's not, not true. I, I do love Philly. Oh, I just okay. think it's a very unique place. You know, yeah. like uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's got a certain criminal element to it yeah. uh, that I'm drawn to, you know. <laughs> so. Oh, OK. Well, you know, then you like it. You like it like the rest of Philadelphia loves it with a, a, just a little sexy hint of Stockholm syndrome, you know, like yeah, exactly. uh, just a, just a little sprinkling with with some cheese whiz wit. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Bohemian Rhapsody story, I mean, this was just it, it was karaoke, you know, like the lead into it is not really that like as special. There was like a karaoke party that was associated with the comic book convention. But for some reason, the whole room, uh, which included, I'm going to say like 30 Rastafarian dudes from Chicago that identified themselves oh, as yeah. such. No, no, that was, yeah, uh, that was the Michael Misfits. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, they're good friends of mine. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. 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 They, um, they we used to. So when I lived in Chicago, I used to go to karaoke. I used to go to live band karaoke and they were always at the live band karaoke. But I'd actually met them. At the comic convention. Oh shit! They, so that was yeah, the day. 
that was the day yeah, that did. like the, the the convergence happened in a musical yep. format um and when you watch this video of us singing i love that there's just like this it's very wait for it reveal of how many people are actually there because like you don't see a full pan of the audience until we hit the mama Ooh. but right when you pan over to the that crowd there's a guy like all you see how many people are there it's packed all the way back to the room and there's a guy that just throws both arms up in the air and goes mama with us and i'm just like that that was crazy and there's somebody pulled an inflatable guitar out during the guitar yes. solo that had oh not God. appeared yeah yeah exactly there's a guitar solo that it just appeared out of nowhere like somebody just happened to have yep. an inflatable guitar and it, that that video looks edited like that video looks like, that, that, yep. that video looks like we fucking made a music video of us doing that um you know everybody pulled their lighters out uh at the end because i screamed at them to do so uh but also right. because that's what you do but i definitely right. screamed lighters right. fucking out on that video which <laughs> so i was like that's unnecessary um <laughs> But that was one of my favorite Ferris Bueller ass moments I've ever uh, I've ever had. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I tell you, and then honestly, I think that like um, maybe it was that show, maybe it was the show before or something like that. But like um, I was driving back, and you were kind of on the way, and uh, and we went, we got together, and you gave me a bunch of music and whatnot. And I have to tell you that like like your music selection is fucking phenomenal like i mean oh. i know that you had you had told me that like your mom and your mom and dad are kind of hippies right yeah and whatnot and yeah, musicians yeah. yeah and musicians exactly and so like you had like an inordinate amount of like jumiroquai and stuff like that like where it was, it was on it was on this thing and like dr john and like yeah. you know and those kinds of things and like to this day it's like it's part of my repertoire of music and like nobody gets it nobody understands they're like wow Oh, do you have all this music? And I was like, well, that would be Hannah. <laughs> Just doing my job, man. Tips cowboy hat rides into the sunset uh, on nothing exactly. because I still don't drive. Um, right. Even right, though right, that right. metaphor would have implied a horse. Um, <laughs> well, you don't ride a horse either. Whatever. It's yeah. Fine. I think. Or drive a horse. I don't know if you drive horses. Is that... I yeah I don't know uh, I think uh, I don't know you just uh, exist with horses and you're just lucky that they listen to you I don't know um, something like that for me for me like I I have sus some suspicions about horses and like their lot in life mm -hmm. because like who would let somebody sit on their back you know? yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> you know I mean like there's there's two options here either they are dumb as rocks okay or or they're really broken humans, you know, or, or animals. You know <laughs> Reincarnated I mean? human, like the, it's like yeah, just kind of like oh god, all right, fuck it, whatever, man. You wanna god. sit on my back? Yeah, I'll take you there. I wasn't going there, but whatever. It's like the guy that you works know? at the toothpaste factory screwing the caps on, but he's a horse, right. you know, exactly. just like fucking done. I'm done, man. I yeah, can't. Those are my two options. Those are my two <laughs> options. You know, either they're remarkably powerfully dumb animals, or. <laughs> They're not. And they're just broken. They're broken you know? souls. They're yeah. they're broken souls. But yeah, that that warms my heart. I've like I, I've been, you know, this this journey of me podcasting has brought up a lot of reoccurring themes and it's always cool like seeing what stuck with people and uh what didn't uh, but a Jamiroquai definitely keeps coming up because I've been listening yeah. to it since I was a small child. Um because mm -hmm. <laughs> uh but dude, I'll tell you, I have a I have a fun I mean I, you know, everybody loves Jamiroquai, you know. Um, yeah. Even if they the don't know, time, they do. Like, I had a renewed love of it after that, that sort of, that, that meetup and the download. Because it was literally, it was like gigs of fucking music, man, that you gave me. It was just ridiculous. That's it was awesome. an inordinate amount of music. Yeah, I have a I have a couple of friends like that that are just like, yeah, no, you you just you were the mix CD makingest fucking kid. Like you did, you did that all the time. Um, now, the one thing I th this isn't like a full story or anything. This is just something you said to me in passing. Uh, I used to have this purse that was like a rubber chicken. 
Um, uh-huh. and yeah, you at one point said something to me cause I was just telling you about like, oh, stand ups getting farther. You're just like, well, you have to be a comedian. You have a rubber chicken purse. And, I, that, <laughs> and it, is true. it is. Yeah. But I think that that's one of those things that just pops into my head all the time, because by the way, I still carry weird bags nonstop in my range of vision right now. I see a sparkly owl backpack and a, and a larger backpack just with aliens all over it. Um, I don't carry my things inside of normal things. Um, but no. neither do no. You're a satchel human, so um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wear hip pouches, hip pouches, hip pouches, hip you know? pouches, and holsters. That's my thing. Treasures, which is basically just man, which is basically just fanny pack, but fancy fanny pack. You know what and I mean? And leather. It usually like it has. If it looks like uh, you know, you like you just walked off a pirate ship with it, you know, it's, it's fine because it's part yeah, of your yeah, aesthetic okay. or the aesthetic yeah. that was uh, slapped on you following uh, Disney's pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, like if, if, if like old school piracy, Star Wars and Doctor Who had a baby, like, I feel like that's my aesthetic. You know yeah. I mean? Like I have the fashion sense of a time Lord, but like, there's, there's some weirdness yeah it's just like a little bit of like a nautical sprint you put, put some old bay seasoning on a time lord exactly some old bay <laughs> no don't, don't ever tell sin that he's from he's from uh um baltimore oh uh, yeah those people have an unhealthy obsession with old bay yeah just saying. it's a it's an overwhelming seasoning like you gotta be careful with what you put that on because uh, otherwise that you won't taste a single thing i don't know it's honestly yeah. sin I'm pretty sure he puts it in his iced tea. I'm not entirely Oh, goddamn. Yeah, I've never tried to combine that with sweet before. You know, basically, it's kind of like Lowry's, but a little spicy. Yeah. You know, and it's got that kind of, uh, that celery sort of background, and then, like, you know, the, like, seasoned salt with the celery. Yeah, Old Old Bay kind of tastes like that went bad a little bit. Um, like it's, yeah, it's like, not in a bad like, way. It's oh, just like kind of that fermented, like vinegary undertone. Yeah. 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 That, that throws it out there. Yeah. There's some, there's some stuff, there's some stuff. I think it's probably, um, uh, it's usually, uh, pepper, like, gr- like dried ground pepper, like not pepper, like the, the spice pepper, but like actual bell peppers or like, you oh, know, maybe that's why I'm weird about because I'm weird about bell peppers. Uh, but, it, but enough about old Bay seasoning specifically. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah, again, leaving this in. Spin, you'll, you'll never agree that you can have enough oh yeah no uh you can you never agree uh one story because like they're sort of sort of wrapping up on time uh but one thing i did want to bring up is apart from like the comic book convention scene running around there going to the um if you're if you're not familiar with comic book conventions there's always a, a secret agreement that one bar is the bar that everyone who works there hangs out at and you just see the most random uh list celebrities that were signing headshots at all of these things uh so like you know th- there's so many things happening in that era and there's just hotel parties and all kinds of craziness um but apart from that uh you also uh you know we like we've hung out in other places since then just to catch up but there was this little clip of time when i was in college where you were and i was living in westchester pennsylvania where you were living in phoenixville um and you would drive down to hang out and i just had this subplot going where i'm in college and i'm just like oh hey i have a pirate friend and people are like no you don't i'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like what are you talking about I'm like yeah my pirate friend's here well, I mean, so here i just is. like had a like you know <laughs> it's again like that i had to interview you for this because like on paper you sound made up like it's like some like calvin and Hobbes situation where i just I mean, like, don't get me wrong there is jenny's comic you know yeah and whatnot. yeah there is the devil's panties and and like that didn't help yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah Jen, the devil's panties is an autobiographic a wonderful autobiographical web comic that i i think i was drawn into one time just in the background but not by name uh by jenny breeden uh who i'm pretty sure yeah she still does cons she still does yeah, she still, i actually just saw her at dragon con oh yeah you gotta tell her i say hi uh, do they still do uh the men with uh kilts in a leaf blower calendar is that still oh, happening i just did it if you go to my facebook right now i have a whole thing up right now of me there so this last year um i showed up i don't have a kilt okay right and so it's the, yeah and whatnot I, I texted jenny i said oh I'm at, the, I'm at the kilt line but i don't have a kilt and she said we'll, we'll get it sorted so what that meant okay was that jenny comes by and says what size are you and i said i'm 
33. And she said, okay, cool. Take off your pants. And so. so Glad to see I she hasn't changed. She hasn't changed. She bit. gave me her skirt. Okay. Oh. And I went up on stage with her skirt while she wore my pants. Okay. That was the solution to, uh, to, uh, um, to me not having a kilt yeah. for the group flying this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, listeners, uh, so what you can glean from this is that there is a dragon convention, uh, dragon con. I don't think anyone ever says dragon convention, <laughs> dragon convention no, sounds no, like no. something else. I, that sounds honestly really cool. But at dragon con every year, they do, uh, this thing where it's like the Marilyn Monroe over the street, great blowing thing, but it's dudes in kilts with leaf blowers, which started as an inside joke in her web comic and then became a reality due to audience demand. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, early odds webcomic. Beautiful thing. Beautiful fucking so, thing. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, but no, no. So when I, whenever I, so I, I do a rum festival every year. Mm -hmm. um, well, I did for a long time while it was still going. And um, the guy that ran the rum festival, well, well, one of the guys that ran the rum festival, came up to Jenny. He was a huge fan of Jenny's. And uh, and he was like, yeah, so I run this rum festival. And she goes, oh, you run a rum festival? You should tell Nigel about it. The guy seriously said, oh, you mean like, like tell you and then you'll tell Nigel because he's the character in your head. And she goes, <laughs> she's like, no, he's, he's, over, he's over there. And by the time she looked back, he had already ran from her stand to find me. He comes with my booth and he's like, he's like, you're real. And I, <laughs> as a philosopher, have to go. All right, I'll take your word for it. Um, what's this about? <laughs> and he said, I run a rum festival. And I said, There are rum festivals? He says, Yeah, you should come. And so well, the rest is history. So that's that's phenomenal. Like somebody validated your existence and then brought rum festivals into your life. God, you bring a pirate's gotta be a blessing, honestly. I, like that's that <laughs> there's a certain amount of credence to like the fact that none of you exist. Okay, is all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or I am a character. And I don't exist. I don't know which way it goes. You know, it's hard. Like, no, there's a Basquiat quote in uh, in Downtown Eighty One, this art movie that Basquiat made when he was nineteen. Is that he's just like, I'm a writer, but I feel as though I've been written. People see me and they say, Hey, you see that guy? He's a real character. Uh, and I, I think about <laughs> I I think about that a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. But my my favorite uh, college memory from that like that weird little clip is there was that one time at like three a.m. Uh, we got a pizza. Um, and we didn't have anywhere to sit and eat it because it was at culinary, like in Westchester, there was only one pizza place that was open past 2 a.m. It was culinary. Right, right. Um, they didn't have anywhere to sit. So we sat on the steps of a church uh, and ate an entire pizza. Um, oh, yeah. Which was like, it was a really nice church. Uh, but then somebody walked in front of us uh, with another person and they said something they like cursed and the person was like hey don't curse you're in front of a church and me and you immediately just go yeah you have to respect yeah. the church or we're sitting there eating pizza <laughs> i believe we said yeah what the fuck's the matter with you, <laughs> you <have to> respect <laughs> the church like eating pizza on the church steps yeah no that was that was the pinnacle oh. of like college memory i'm just like yeah I, I, you know of course and again like you know i report that story back later in the morning i'm like yeah you know i was eating pizza on the church steps with my pirate friend and i'm like and they're like cool so how much is the acid you bought you know like right. <laughs> um nigel oh. thank you so much for coming on and uh bringing no, back so many wonderful memories uh and just encapsulating a time period any any gaps that i have there i will fill in in the intro uh but i don't know what else to but it's such a blur you know because oh yeah, yeah. like i said we're all drunk at uh measurement by measurement tables however where are they right. like eight, 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 tables and grid wall the <laughs> yeah i was gonna say to, to be absolutely fair this is this is encapsulated about a quarter of the story oh well, yeah for but, sure i mean we're doing like this is a you know lazy memoir um and yeah, i'm yeah, sure yeah. that there it's will still... be a not lazy memoir but we need to do the lazy one to either fact check this or have an excuse for never writing a book um so no, 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 remember remember we're not making we're not making 
things up, we're making them good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. No, we're cleaning up the edge because the thing is, there's no reason for me to be inaccurate or exaggerate anything because it's all crazy. No. So mm-hmm. I just need to make sure I'm like, if I'm going to do this shit, I'm going to get it right because I don't want people to be like, oh, she lied to make it more interesting. I'm like, no, it was weird in a different no. way and I was high. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just forgot. Yeah, it was a billion years ago and I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, not a billion we're not old yeah no no all right well thank you for logging i won't keep you longer because you are in italia and it is now uh past 1 a.m in italy uh and uh you know when in rome uh in that time zone you gotta go to sleep i guess uh i yeah yeah well i'm in luca so oh you're like luca like three hours so yeah three hours north of rome who gives a fuck do what you want you know you know you can come to luca and do shit from pakistan nobody cares whatever Actually, to be fair, there's a there's a phrase in in um, in Italian which is uh, stagat, okay? Yeah. Which means uh, which means literally translated, these dicks, okay? <laughs> All right, so these nuts. Uh... Else, yeah, exactly. These dicks. These nuts. All right, and uh, everywhere else in Italy, it's considered like this horrifyingly offensive thing that you can say. Yeah. But in Rome, it's like a punctuation. It's like fucking New York. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's that kind of a thing. Like everybody's like, meh, stagazzi. So I want to make t-shirts that say when in Rome, stagazzi. Yeah. And when I, <laughs> when you tell this joke to an Italian, especially a Roman, oh my God, you've never seen a person laugh more in your life. <laughs> it is just the weirdest damn thing ever. Oh, you gotta, yeah, no, you gotta just like sit on a, a corner in a big tourist spot and start like just hawking these shirts. Um, that's but, fine. I'll, I'll give it to somebody else. Yeah, give it to somebody money. else. Oh yeah, no, get somebody because you don't want to do your uh, convention job on the street. You know, at least you'd be inside. Yeah, yeah you at least uh, want to be inside in weird hostile conditions. You don't need to be outside yeah, in weird hostile conditions. You know, has to deal with. <laughs> All right. Well, Nigel, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Indeed. Yeah, and it was it's great talking to you. Again. All right. You too. Bye, Bye. dude.